With all the chaos and the unknown in the world today, it can be pretty easy to slide back into a sense of victimization. Well, today is going to be a little kick in the booty from Diane Hudock, who is a spiritual teacher of spiritual science and spiritual psychology. And she's here to ask you a simple question. What are you choosing? Because what you are choosing makes all the difference, not only for yourself, but for the collective. So choose wisely and listen in to this amazing discussion that's about to unfold. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible. You believe to join us on this beautiful journey. So let show. Soul Nectar show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards a deeper understanding of who we are and what we're doing here on this planet Earth. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love these conversations week after week. It lifts me up, gives me new new angles, new perspectives to think about things, and it helps me to feel even more hopeful that we're going to pull through this madness that's currently happening on the planet And that it's all going to be okay because every single week I bring on the show somebody else who's also awake, who's also been doing their spiritual journey for a while, and who also has some unique perspective to lend towards what's happening right now and how we can uh, survive and thrive through the madness. And uh, I'm really excited about today's discussion because I hit it right off when I met uh, Diane Hudock. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. This is going to be fun. It is. So let me tell people a little bit about you and why I might think you're so awesome. Besides just having instant connections, you guys have those instant connections because Diane and I had one of those. I was like, I need to know you. (laughs) So Diane has been a teacher and a, a transformation for nearly three decades, helping people heal their lives and awaken their divine potential. And she draws from an extensive background and training in spiritual science, consciousness studies, energy medicine, and yoga. And she holds a master's degree in spiritual psychology, as well as a master's degree in spiritual science. And she's currently working on her third year doctorate. It's amazing. So she's done yoga and meditation. She's traversed the globe, leading retreats and workshops and events. And she has done just amazing things for her Alchemy of Mastery program. So she's a seasoned biofield practitioner and energy healer, and she's facilitated a thousand individuals, over a thousand, using time-tested protocols of biofield science, unified physics, Chinese meridian therapy, and universal law to dissolve negative patterns and energetic imprints, which can manifest as imbalance and dis-ease. And what I want to say is so cool. I'm going to be on her show, the uh, Spiritual Inner uh, Spiritual Geek Out Podcast is the name of that podcast. I'm going to be on her show too, and so you can go check me out over there. And what's really cool is our first conversation within, I don't know, the first five minutes, we realized that we both had known Alberto Vialdo and worked with him as a, as a spiritual mentor. And mm-hmm. Alberto Vialdo is, of course, the founder of the Four Winds uh, Light Body School that I've graduated from and years ago really helped me to turn my life around. So when Diane said that, I was like, okay, you're my, definitely my people. So 
tell us, because we're always curious, how, what was your story that you feel like sharing today of how you came to become what you are in this moment? Like, tell us some juicy nugget of your journey that is relevant. Well, I think there's that saying where you don't choose it, it chooses you. And I think I'm a good example of that because for many years, I was teaching yoga and learning meditation and studying with all different kinds of gurus and masters. And I mean, not the masters that people call themselves like Reiki masters and, you know, masters on Instagram. I mean, these are legitimate masters that don't call themselves masters because they're masters, right? And at the same time, I was doing a lot of acting and I kept getting pulled time and time again to teachers that would just be literally placed on my path in the most amazing ways, really, where I would literally be at a party and I would walk into the party. And within the first five minutes, if not less, I would literally bump into my next teacher who would then take me up to a Buddhist monastery in upstate New York. And that would lead me to my next teacher, to my next experience. And it was just this incredible chain of events that were quite providence filled, you know? So for a while, I was kind of living these two lives where I would go out and audition for all these jobs as an actress. And at the same time, I'd be studying with these marvelous human beings that were just transforming my life and informing my life and telling me, no, no, this is what you're going to do. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to Hollywood. (laughs) And so sure enough, then I was up for a show in Hollywood from New York. I moved to Los Angeles. I should say I had a fire in my apartment that then all the things that were acting related, this is fascinating, was on this wicker baker's rack in my sort of, I lived in a studio apartment. It was on my headshots, my uh, scripts, pictures from modeling, all this stuff of like the industry, right? Were on this worker baker's rack that I had freshly spray painted, mind you. And I was doing a healing session and I had a candle that was lit and it was in this, I wasn't even thinking this just, just hilarious that I just comes to my mind now. And I had a little votive that I put in this cardboard container that used to have one of those sort of plants to go. It was like a little potted plant that I took out the dirt, put it in a votive and put it on the Swicker Baker's rack with all my acting material. Well, I did that session with that person, had that healing. And I thought, oh, well, well, they're done. I got to go to the post office about 10 blocks away in the Upper West Side. I forgot to blow out the candle. It was a tiny candle. So I completely forgot, but it set my place aflame. And when I got back, there are eight or 10 uh, firemen coming up the back way. The whole place was filled with smoke, the whole uh, hallway. And before I could open my door, because I'm thinking, oh, how can I put this out myself? They're putting out my apartment and, uh, and it was all around that wicker baker's rack, all that went up in flames. And I found it to be quite emblematic 
that that was like a puja. It was like um, it was like an arti, really, right? It was like a sacred fire clearing, and it was uh, it was emblematic of spirit. I would say, telling me, you know what? Pay attention because we're trying to make space for something else. So sure enough, after that, I right after that, I was up for something in Los Angeles, which I did not get, but I fell in love with California. I thought, oh my God, the water, there's space. I don't have to get on a, on a um, you know, I had to jump in a taxi and it's so clean here. So I just fell into love with all these aspects of California. And again, one thing led to another where I would just meet one teacher after the next. And in fact, my next teacher was this Indian Himalayan master who appeared in my dreams for about three months before I physically met him in the flesh. And when I met him in the flesh, it was at a satsang about a block away from my apartment. And when I had the, when I went there for the experience to have the satsang, I felt like I knew this person for a long time. It was like meeting an old friend. So he came up to me after everybody left and the room cleared, everybody went home. Somehow I ended up staying there as these stories go, right? And he said, why don't you come to my retreat tomorrow? And I said, uh, okay, you know, I just kind of jumped on. No, the part I'm not telling you right now is that he was the man that was in my dreams for three months. However, it gets better. I had a dream of this man for months before I met him, he appears to me at the satsang and he's teaching me in the dream how to walk on water. And I'm kind of walking on water and then I kind of float, I kind of sink to the bottom. And then I have another dream, another night about the same place, this area where he's there, he's waiting for me. And I'm walking on water for a moment I, and I slowly improve and he finds it to be very humorous and he never exchanges words. It's all sort of telepathic or it's just a smile or a glance or a knowing. So I go to the retreat the next day after this initial satsang where I recognize this is the man that's been in my dreams. I don't tell him that. He comes up to me at the retreat during lunch and he says, how's it going? And I said, it's going good. And he said, you know what I was doing in those dreams when we were walking on water, right? And I just kind of, right? That's so crazy. Yeah. Yes. And I, I felt like I had an answer, but out of respect, I didn't answer. So I said, no, I don't. And he said, I was raising your kundalini. Just kind of like I was, you know, I was giving you a cracker. I was raising your kundalini. And I said, right. And then he just walked away and long and short of it is he became a very instrumental part in my life for many, many years. And uh, he did the blessing at my wedding 10 years ago. And he's part of the fabric of my, my spiritual work. And that's really my life. And I think if I pull back the aperture, I could say with great chutzpah, that I think that's everyone's life. If we just pay attention, we see that everything is perfectly divinely orchestrated for us. If we kind of just pay attention and get out of the way, if need be, and let it happen. 
It doesn't mean sit on your couch and eat, you know, pretzels and watch Netflix. Stay in action. Stay in heartfelt action, not egoic action. Stay in heartfelt action. Let the ego do what it does to help you get stuff done, but don't let it be the master. So stay in heartfelt action. But also, if you can, it's like that, like you say in your book, that dance between soul and um, and flesh or ego, right? It's that that beautiful balancing act, right? And just uh, allow spirit to guide you. And then as the human, take action on the input. I hope that Yeah, helped. that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. I, it made me think about how I got introduced to Alberto Vialdo's work because I had just started, well, I had a friend tell me about shamanic healing and how powerful it was. She got this healing. And then I did a Google search and found my first teacher in Austin. But then I was getting into it and I was really enjoying it. And then my, one of my friends said she was looking at some website where they do donations or something, and then they raise money for charity. And I think the Four Winds had donated a class to that website to raise money for charity. And I won it. So I won the free class. (laughs) And I was so excited. She told me about it. She said, you've been liking this shamanism thing. I saw this. I thought you might be interested. Some random, you know, connection. And then, and here it is. And I got it and I, I won it. And then I went into my first class and I said, well, I got to do this whole program now. So, you know, it was awesome. It was like the best thing ever, but I needed my attention hooked into it because otherwise if I'd had to pay for it, I might not have done it at that time because my mentality was very like, concerned about money and things like that. I was like a single mom and I was, you know, supporting my household. And so if I hadn't have won it, I don't know that I would have like followed through in the same way. Right. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just paying attention and recognizing that, you know, the universe, and this is my belief, but, you know, if we think about belief, belief is just a story we keep telling ourselves and then we make it true, but it's often, if not always, based on our personal experience. So my direct experience has informed my very strong belief that the universe does have our back, that the universe is conspiring with us, not against us. And the story that the universe doesn't want you to expand and grow is the biggest lie because by definition, the universe is always expanding. And you are the universe. You are you are infinite in nature. You, you are, uh, you are the universe. So you are consciousness, your consciousness. And what is consciousness, but always expanding and never regulated and never fixated and never static or stayed, I should say, or fixed in mind and body. It's always changing, even when we're just sitting. So, yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that I saw this graphic recently that depicts the different states of consciousness from like forcing life to happen. And there's like a whole set of emotions you might experience when you're forcing life to happen. And then when you're in your power or you're knowing of your power, there's a whole nother range of emotions you could be experiencing, right? And I feel like there's that whole spectrum is available to us on the planet right now. And so it's kind of like looking at yourself and saying, where am I on that spectrum? I was looking at it. And there's this point of where it goes into the upper realm, into power, it's like, it starts to get into these questions of trust. Like, do you trust that everything is working out exactly as it needs to work out? Do you trust that what's happening needs to happen and there's a reason for it? Or do you argue with it? 
Well, that's a really deep topic, and there's a lot to unpack there. And um, because of where we're at right now, at this very gravity-filled time, you know, on the planet, where we can see the power, literally the power of the emotion or the medium, it's a medium, it's a vehicle of fear to influence your degree of trusting God, the God of your understanding, the universe, source, energy, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, the angelic realm, whatever. And so then the question is, you know, the brain is so solution oriented. So sometimes when I'm counseling people, I I just bring it way down to the sweet reductionary sauce. And I just go, what are you choosing? And ask your brain the question, are you choosing trust or are you choosing fear? Are you choosing to experience or get a taste or play with like a child would play in a sandbox with the possibility that you are this powerful being? Are you willing to go there or are you more willing to just give in to this illusion that you're not powerful or this belief system that I can't change where I'm at. I have a ceiling on my finances. I have a ceiling on my health. I have a ceiling on my connection to God. And, you know, I'm just going to remain here everlasting. But none of that is who you are. I mean, we are, by definition, if we talk about spiritual psychology tenets and we talk about yoga, if we talk about just all these ancient practices that are really saying the same thing, they're just saying it differently. It's like, you know, we can all eat pizza, but we go into different pizza shops and you just change, change the toppings, but it's still pizza. <laughs> you know? And so we're, we're spiritual beings first, having a human experience second. And if we can really get that in our consciousness, like if we can really get that in our bones, if we can get that in our field, if we can get that in our thinking mind that, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not these emotions that I'm, are running me right now. I'm I'm not this adrenaline of fear that's running me right now. This is a reaction to my external environment. You know, outer world reality is a direct reflection of your inner world state. I mean, that's a that's a classic tenet of, of spiritual work. So all we have to do is just ask the question: like, where am I at today? Where am I right now? What am I choosing? What am I choosing? What and what if I don't know what to choose, at least maybe say. Well, I know I don't want that. Okay, then what's the opposite of that? Or we can make it even simpler. Imagine, because we have the most powerful thing called the imagination. We can all imagine right now that we're sucking on a lemon, right? And then what is going to happen? Because the body is so dang intelligent. It's going to start salivating as if there's a freaking lemon in your mouth. There's no lemon. Because the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between fantasy and reality. So we might as well win in our fantasy. But we often are trained and indoctrinated through the repetitive content of the negativity of what's out there in the world, the news, the things we read, the the projections of other people to not trust ourselves. It's a disease. It's an epidemic. And that, to me, is the biggest dis-ease. It's the mind viruses, Carrie. You know, it's so weird because like things happen on the outside, right? I mean, things do happen on the outside. That might be things that I'm not preferring in the moment, you know, like, so during COVID, for example, there was all these lockdowns and like, oh, you won't be able to travel and you can't go to other countries and all this kind of stuff. 
And everyone kept saying, you're not going to be able to have that retreat to Peru. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I was like, well, I think it's going to happen. And I've, I've seen myself there. I've seen myself in the Sacred Valley with my group. I've seen it. So I know it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And sure yeah. enough, we opened, the borders opened up like one week before we were supposed to take our trip. And then yeah. the, f- the five of us scooted across the border and flew to Peru and had our wonderful vacation time. We got to mm-hmm. go to Machu Picchu on the day when nobody else was there except us pretty much. And it was amazing, right? It was like, wow, we did it. Like we're, we kept saying, we're doing it, we're doing it. And I kept telling my group, ignore all evidence to the contrary. Like we're going to, if you see yourself in Peru, we're going to be in Peru. Somehow it's going to happen. So, you know, I noticed my brain want to latch onto things. Like my brain wants to go, oh no, they're going to like make me take a vaccine and and I'm going to have to take it. If I don't take it, I won't go anywhere. Like I could, I could totally believe that. Or I could just go, well, that's nice. I see that idea out there, but I'm not giving that idea any energy because I'm saying, no, that's not my reality. I don't agree with that. And that's not my reality. I'm going to, I'm going to see myself being healthy and I'm going to see people waking up and realizing controlling others maybe isn't the best idea. I'm going to, I'm going to see another alternative. And then if there's enough of us seeing that alternative, maybe that one will come true instead of the other one. Absolutely. God, I love (laughs) what you're sharing. I love what you're sharing because you're really exercising this idea, this truth that you are this divine being. And if you really recognize that you are divine, then you are inhabiting all the aspects of the divine, which is the aspects of, of God which is the aspects of self-healing, which is the aspects that you, your body is divinely made. Yes, there's conditions of the third world reality, third, um, what am I saying? The third um, dimension. Dimension, thank you. Third dimensional reality. I mean, yes, there's conditions of that. There are, we have a thing called gravity. That's why I, my teacher, would all, one of my teachers, John Roger, who's now passed, he would always say, we don't have free will. Go, go stand on your roof and tell me if you can fly you know, people go like, well, I can't fly. And say, that's right. You can't fly because you will yourself to do it. Well, you can't, but you have choice. You have choice in what you choose to do, how to react, how to respond, how to behave, right? How to think, how to feel. You have choice. You are this God, uh, divinely created being that has infinite possibilities of choice. And we keep circling back. I see it's a choice. So it's like, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose and really practice as an even experiment with yourself that is like, okay, I think I'm divine. I don't know if I'm divine. I mean, I, I think I'm powerful, but let's see what happens if I just kind of do it as a 33-day experiment. And I just kind of track myself in trusting for 33 days. Like, what will happen? Well, I don't know. How about doing it and then get back to me? But the thing is, most people don't do it. And so we look at what's going out there on their out there in the world with all this, you're going to need this, which is all anti-life. You know, evil is life spelled backwards, right? And we know that the the malicious forces, the dark forces, I mean, and if we want to go deep, I don't know how deep you want to go. My belief and many people and my colleagues, we believe this is a spiritual war. There are all kinds of wars, all kinds of wars on different dimensions, but this is really a spiritual war. And it's an individual spiritual war, you with yourself, right? But it's also a collective war of how we are going to see humanity and how we're going to treat the greatest sustainer, which is Mother Earth. How are we going to treat the mother, right? 
because the mother doesn't need us, but we need her. So there's so much going on. And there's, as long as you're here, there's always going to be ongoing opportunity. And if we can look at it from that aspect, we can reframe all these things that are getting thrown at us, like just darts and like, oh, like, you know, you're at a, you're at a, um, you're out in a field and it's like, you know, you're getting shot with like paint guns. (laughs) It can feel like that sometimes. It has felt that way. I'm sure other people are watching this or saying, yeah, it has felt that way. It's people people say things you're like why would you say so it's such a cruel thing right now like where is that coming from because they're they're so in their separateness and their fear so when you're in your loving when you're in your knowing you can't block another people another person's heart or loving you can't block it so people that are out there lashing out or in their againstness they're just standing in their positioning it's just a position you know, I have strong beliefs about what's going on, but if you don't agree with me, that's okay because you have your own path and eventually everyone's going to wake up and move to the higher realm. And it will either be this lifetime or they'll use the medium of COVID to lead their body and ascend, or they'll use the medium of a toxic injection to lead their body and ascend. And why do I say it's toxic not to get political? Well, you know, you can just look at the history. Look at the history and and look at the history, look at the history. And we are repeating history. And if you aren't allowed to ask the questions and then the people at the top start shutting you down for asking basic questions like informed consent, like, hey, what's in this? Or, hey, what's the likelihood of me getting cancer if I take this? Nobody knows. Yeah, well, they, they didn't even let you have that information before they started telling everybody they had to have it. You know, so what's the likelihood of somebody who has autoimmune disease? They say, oh, they need it more. But what's the likelihood of the long term effects of activating more autoimmunity? Nobody knows. So and now we know more and more because there are courageous people stepping forward and going, hold on a minute. I have scans. There's a Dr. Hoff, H-O-F-F-E. You can check him out. You won't find him in mainstream. And there's a lot of people coming forward. And he's saying 62 percent of his patients are having I don't know if you'd call it isochemic blood clots, but they're having many microscopic blood clots, not full-blown strokes. But he, I think, administered, if I have my numbers correctly, about 900 COVID vaccines. He's a, he's a doctor. And then he just started putting two and two together and, and seeing some more and more data. And he said, hold on a minute. Why don't you get your D-dimer test? D-dimer tells you if you've recently clotted. And not something in the past, but it's recent. And he said, just get a D-dimer test. So I have information because, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, right? And so he's leading by example, by getting all the information he can for the wellness of his patients, because we don't have all the information. So he says, go get a D-dimer test. And he finds, uh, lo and behold, he finds 62% of those that are getting the shot one week later are having microscopic clotting all over their bodies. Now, you know, I, I, I'm not here to tell people to take it or don't take it. I believe everybody has bodily sovereignty. Everybody has a motivation to take it or not take it. That even goes beyond the physical because everybody has curriculum. In my work, we call it soul curriculum. So like um, everything is curriculum. And some people's curriculum is to take the shot and to experience whatever comes of that 
or not. And I think there's another, you know, so I'm not one to make up stories like because partially because I've got most of my loved ones took this vaccine. I didn't take it, but a lot of my well, it's not a vaccine. It's the thing we have took to this ask. experimental treatment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so by definition, Carrie, just to sorry, not a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. The reason I'm saying that, just so I don't sound like some crazy person, they're going, "Oh, she's anti-vaxxer. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's not educated." No, I've have many degrees, and I've studied. And my son was actually vaccine injured, so I woke up, and that was my wake-up call. Most people trust until there's a motivator, till there's a reason not to trust. So when my son was three, he went in for his last shots and he came back, he starts banging his head, starts hand flapping, tippy toe walking and stops talking. Now, wait a second. He wasn't doing that eight hours ago. He was perfectly fine. And then they told me to go get him tested for autism and he doesn't have autism. I detoxed him. And in those years, I learned a lot and I learned that they don't, they're not so transparent. And I learned that you know, not every, it's not just like a yoga teacher. You think people think every person's going to get the same yoga practice. Not one yoga practice is, it's not a one size fits all. Nothing in this life, like a snowflake is the same. There is no one size fits all. So just to kind of jump in for a second. And the reason I say it's not a vaccine is because, and you can go to the website and you can look it up yourself, you know, because this is not my opinion. But by the CDC definition, a vaccine will eradicate the disease, meaning you can't get it, okay? And it will eradicate, it will stop in its tracks transmission. They admit clearly on their website that they do neither of those things. So the only reason they're using the V word is to get that um, sympathy from the powers that be so that they can get the emergency use. And by emergency use, They do not have to put anything, they do not have to disclose any information of what's in there. And I can bet your bottom, my bottom dollar that, you know, my stepfather is on heart medicine. He wants to know what's in that heart medicine. Well, I'd like to know what's in any medicine I'm taking, but I went to my pharmacy and I said, hi, I'd like to know what's in the Moderna. And they looked at me kind of sideways and I said, yeah, I'd like to read the ingredients. They went and got the sheet, pulled it out. And open it up about 20 by 20 sheet. And it says, you know, blank, intentionally blank. And then some people say that they'll leave a QR code on there so that you can go to the website and find the ingredients. No QR code. So I couldn't do that. But I went into the website to look at the ingredients and they're not listed. Now, let's say they're listed. Great. That would be wonderful for informed consent so people can make decisions. Is this good for me? Is this going to, am I, you know, some people are allergic to penicillin. Is there penicillin? No, there's no penicillin. How do I know? It's not written there. Well, just trust us. But why should I trust you if you're completely liable free? How, why? What? That's the best business model in the world. I can, I can put your granddaddy's, you know, old socks in there. <laughs> I just, I can put anything I want in there. I'm not saying they would, and I'm not saying their intentions are bad. You know, there are different angles there, but let's just keep it, keep it straight and narrow. Like there's no liability. So they can, they don't have to go through all the rigorous studies. They don't have to go through animal studies, which they did not. They can use the humans as their guinea pigs. So when people say, well, I've read the studies and and I've read the data, I say, you are the study and they're not done till I think 2023, but that's not long-term, that's short-term. Long-term is going to be 10 years down the line. And then talk to me then. 
So sorry about that. We went off. No, but that's a big topic. It's people people have a hard time discerning. They have a hard time discerning how to come to this information, especially because of all the programming around not asking questions, you know, and not asking questions programming that comes from so many angles. You know, it comes from people in religious households or they're told not to ask questions specifically, don't question things. Um, people are taught to go to their doctor and trust that that doctor is telling them the right information and just go along with whatever that doctor is saying because that doctor has been trained and educated. Meanwhile, there's like information censorship, you know? And so anybody that starts poking around kind of like to find answers because they have questions gets labeled as like a, a conspiracy theorist. And it's well, like, sure. no, I just actually, I actually just want to be informed about Perfect. what this is and how it works before I put it in my very sacred vessel that is housing me this lifetime. That's correct. Listen, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm not anti-anything. I'm for healthy medicine, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the transparency. And I think one of the things that will help is then when we take the power away from these companies and just like any business, you're liable. You know, you're liable. If a doctor operates on the wrong arm, should they be not liable? I think they're liable. You might write, you know, sign something before the surgery, but, you know, there are ways around that. And yes, there's the vaccine, uh, there's, you know, that we're a court system, but they cap out at 250 and you're 250,000. And you're lucky if you ever see the majority of that. And that might take you 10 years. And I have friends that have severely handicapped autistic children and are a hundred percent convinced as moms and dads of their child that it was from the vaccine schedule. And they have gotten nothing close to that. I have a friend who has two severely autistic, they're they're I think like in their 20s and full-time care. They need full-time in-house like nurses that come by uh, um, facilitators. And they're paying out of pocket and there, some of it is being paid by the state, but it's still, it's incredibly expensive. And when you add it up, it will be millions of dollars at the end of their lifetime. Nothing you'll ever see from a vaccine court. So there's yeah. a lot of disparity. It is. And the information that gets covered to you is all disparity. This is the one thing that I don't understand and uh, is that people don't seem to be able, people that on the side of of doing whatever the state is telling them to do don't seem to make the connection that like television stations have major contributor advertisers that are pharmaceutical companies. So Correct. my question is how can a television news station report the news in a non-biased way when their funding of their station happens to be pharmaceutical companies in majority of their funding and advertising? That to me is a conflict of interest and Absolutely. that leads me to go, that information is cannot be trusted because the people that are paying for the station to keep going and are they aren't having newscasts about them in the negative. Like, that's why it's kind of hard to embrace the whole thing. You're just hitting the nose on the head, Carrie. <laughs> for and me, I mean, I find it hard to embrace it. Well, and people say logical. these comments like it's because you've had like, these early childhood wounds. I'm like, well, maybe so. I mean, because I had early childhood wounds, I realized that people were often shitty. And mm-hmm. and so I know that people are shitty from time to time. Like, And I know that there's companies that are shitty 
And yeah, that happens in the world. People actually have motivations that are less than integrous. Absolutely. Your experiences, your personal experiences, open your eyes to things that you otherwise possibly would have not even been directed to or moved to look at. My personal experience with my son, like I said, I was very trusting. I was naive and I was on a spiritual path. And when that happened, I go, hold on a minute. That doesn't make sense. And then I really went down the rabbit hole. I mean, I'm talking whole hog in it. And I talked to people at the top of the top, virologists, epidemiologists, detox specialists, integrative specialists, you name it, PhDs, you get all the accreditations you want on paper. They had it and then some. And they all said the same thing. And this was 10 years ago. They're like, we can't talk about it because we will lose our job. So all we can do is do our good Samaritan work, do our work and help those that come to us. And that's what they're doing. Now, more and more people are talking because more and more people are dying. Or maybe more (laughs) and more more people people are getting a crisis of consciousness in the medical profession. Instead of just taking all their big money that they make doing their career, And actually having a crisis of conscience to fulfill their Hippocratic oath and tell the truth about what's been happening. And that might put them in jeopardy, I realize. That might put a person in jeopardy, but I know that there's been several outspoken people, medical professionals who have done that and have their lives have been taken as a result of that. Yep. And if we don't stand up to it, it doesn't change. You know, like the great David Martin says, nobody knows who David Martin is. David Martin was in that wonderful um, docuseries that Mickey Willis did. And um, you know know what I'm talking about. I'm forgetting the title right now. Why am I forgetting it? But uh, just look up David Martin, PhD, a brilliant man. But as he says so, so eloquently and simply, fear hath no sway. So what do you give power to? You're going to give power to the fear that wants to bring you down. Great. See how that's going for you. And there will be a lesson for you. And it's all, it really is all good. And if we pull back the lens, everybody's having their own divine experience and everyone is remains divine. They might not be aware or awake to the fact that they're divine, but everybody's having their own experience of coming into the awareness of who they divinely are. And the more anchored you get in that truth of your own being, it will direct you in your actions because you will be elevated. You won't be in the sort of mire of the lower frequencies, which are fear, doubt, worry, separation, againstness, hatred, judgment, self-judgment is the biggest one. You know, these are all lower vibrational frequencies. And we know that these as the, these these heavier, darker, non-light, non-divine frequencies, right? Or I should say, it's all divine. They're just much lower levels of the divine. Well, they're they're low frequency, low yeah. vibration, and you know, people often ask me, like, why are you so convinced that in the second wave that we're entering now, that things are going to get better on the planet? And I said, well. 
for the simple fact that the more that you ascend your consciousness, the more the planet ascends her consciousness, the more we each are being forced to ascend our consciousness because we're we're an element of Earth. So we have Earth bodies. Therefore, the Earth ascending her consciousness pretty much forces the hand of every human being to ascend their consciousness and face stuff that they don't want to face. And so that's why all this stuff is getting leaked and shown all over the media. And people are so aghast and like, oh, I can't believe this has been happening this whole time is because it can't hold anymore. Like it can't be hidden anymore. It has to be revealed because we're ascending our consciousness. And when you get into a higher frequency, as I've been doing on my journey, you become psychic. So you can tell if someone's lying to you or not. (laughs) So there's no hiding it anymore. Like lying, all of that stuff goes out the window with the new paradigm. Right. What you're talking about is just really basic yoga sutra stuff for the yoga pradipika or any of these ancient yogic texts that say, if you just practice your spiritual exercises, if you meditate committedly, heartfully, devotionally, right? To that, which is that frequency of love, of the all encompassing embrace, right? That goes beyond any idea or even beyond any name, fame, recognition, separation, any of that. It's above and beyond all that, right? And if you just meditate and you exercise these spiritual um, practices, you will awaken these city abilities, these sort of sixth sense um, abilities, because we all have them. We all have them, you know, as a biofield tuner, as you mentioned in the beginning, um, you know, I've been in at least, I don't know, I've lost count at this time, but probably 1500 uh, fields, you know, human beings, biofields, you know, you learn a lot after doing 50, you certainly learn a lot after doing a thousand. And in our biofield, there's an iCloud storage of our life. And people think I'm so psychic because I kind of go through their field and I can come into turbulence or perturbations or information and they'll be like, how did you know that? And I said, well, because I'm listening to the tonal landscape, the frequency is telling me the emotion that's present and I'm getting a hit, like a like a, an impression in my mind, like I'm kind of reading a book of your bike field and it just shows up there and it's showing up there because the unified field exists. And so now I stop questioning because I can't explain it fully Anyway, I mean, I can explain it in sort of scientific terms what the biofield is, but my little brain, my thinking brain, not my consciousness, but my physical brain will never be able to capacitate the magnificence of what the unified field is, that we're all connected and that, you know, love is, is, is the greatest healer. Peace is, is a, a, the greatest healer that we are made of light. And every time we are in fear, we actually, for lack of a better term, we throw up a little bit of light or a lot of light. And light is your life force. Life is your prana. Light light is your prana, your chi. And, you know, people that are in active stages of dying, we don't biofield them because it's like you're trying to put the light back in when it organically naturally is wanting to leave the body so the body can have its natural dying process. So we honor that and we don't interrupt that process. But as we're living and growing in our in our processes as human beings, we want that light to stay in because that light is resource. That light is that 
uh, openness, that light is um, fuel for you to go out and carry out your purpose, your dharma, what you came here to do. Now, here's the thing. Some people don't think that they came here for anything. Some people don't think that they have something important to do. And I say, hold on. It's not that you have to be famous. Far from this. Not that you have to write a book or have a podcast. It might just be you loving your son or your daughter, or it might just be you weaving the sweaters for your neighbor. Like it, it doesn't have to look like what you think it has to look like. So listen to your heart and your heart will tell you what the soul is really aching to, to have and be expressed. So I think it's really about us all coming into these, like you said, a conscious a crisis, a, con- a crisis of consciousness so that we can kind of get the paddles on the chest, right? Of like, oh, this is who I am. And as we were talking about before we went on uh, today, it's either going to be a kick in the pants or it's going to be a sweet, gentle breeze that's just going to kind of push you over into another river direction in life. But I believe that the universe gives you sort of these gentle little wrecks, and I call them wrecks and padded trucks, where you get kind of tossed around and get tossed around a bit. You might get a little few bruises. You're not going to break your leg, your neck, your, nothing is going to put you in the hospital, but you're going to get a little beat up so that it can stir some awareness in you. So that you can go, oh, that's enough contrast for me to go consider. Maybe I should go the other direction. Maybe I should see things differently. Maybe I should not trust the media so much, or maybe my friend's right. And maybe I should just investigate more, just investigate, you know, be like a kid in a forest. That's just far on the beach, just looking for shells and just be open. So, you know, when we talk about asking questions, it could just be asking the question, why is it that I'm not open to other possibilities of thought and thinking and, and why? Exactly. Exactly. Why am I stuck? And I'm not willing to look at any other point of view. And that is a good question to, to ask. Like, what do I, what would my life be like? Here's a better question. Cause it's in the positive. What would my life be like if I was curious about all of it? Like if I was actually curious and wanted to know the truth, if I actually wanted to know the truth about this whole COVID thing or about the vaccine or whatever, if I actually wanted to know the truth, how would I be showing up day to day if I actually wanted to know the truth? And then that question is really interesting because it's like, well, do I actually want to know the truth or do I just not really want to know and I just want to go to sleep because I just want like, give me my box, A, and I just do that thing. That's a good thing to know about yourself. Well, you know, another person that's been on my podcast, I could just encourage people to listen to is Jason Kristoff. And he's a uh, sabotage coach expert. And he talks a lot about repetitive content. And when we just watch repetitive content over and over and over again, that's like mind control because the brain will eventually say, huh, that's true. Now you couple that with what you're putting in your body, this great divine vehicle we call the body that is your spacesuit for your consciousness, right? And if you're drinking coffee all day and then you're boozing at night and then you're eating all these processed foods with quote unquote natural flavors, I I beg everyone listening, especially the moms and dads out there, 
to go take a walk down your local grocery store aisle and tell me if you can find anything in the boxes that do not say natural flavors. When I say natural flavors, I mean natural orange flavor, natural vanilla flavor, natural cheese flavor, natural flavor, natural flavors. The list goes on and on. Those aren't natural. Those are chemicals. And those affect, they're neuromodulators. Okay. What does that mean? It affects the neurology or your brain state. They're drugs. Okay. Coffee is, as Jason Kristoff so adequately puts it, it's frontline poison. Starbucks, he says, is frontline poison. Yeah, I had to give that up. It's it's addictive. And you know, yes, it's addictive on purpose. And what it does is it puts you in the fight or flight brain in the in the amygdala. The reptilian brain. That's correct. And one cup of coffee will um, dismantle the prefrontal cortex and put you in a state of fight, fight or flight for like a full three weeks. So the next time you go reach for your cup of joe, just kind of think about that. Do I want to be in my knowing and my universal connectivity of all things, my higher mind, which is who you are? Or do you want to be in fear and then you want to just get on the freaking, you know, IV drip of the fear and I'm going to rely on external forces to dictate my life and tell me if I should go left or right and what's good for me. When you inherently know as a divine being who you are, whose you are, and what you are. <laughs> you know, there's... um. Three things I always say when you want to get into a higher state of consciousness. And I say, as we mentioned earlier, pay attention is one. Pay attention. I mean, like even when you're meditating, pay attention. Well, if you're not meditating when you're driving, pay attention. I don't mean just the cars in front of you. Like go deeper, pull back, just pay attention. Pay attention to the energy on the road, the energy of people, people on their uh, cell phones as they're driving. Just notice the patterns. Pay attention. So pay attention. Number two, be astonished. Be astonished at what's going on. And that will start stirring a higher mind thought. And then the third thing is tell other people. From that place of being elevated, share that news, that information, that input, that uh, intuitive hit with other people, just like the game telephone. Because we're, the primordial universe exists. We're, we're all connected. And I knew this for years as a, as a yogi, as a meditator, but it wasn't really till I started doing biofield tuning and biofield tuning at a distance. So I have to say, I started, my business went through the roof with Zoom biofield tunings during COVID. Cause I, for about a couple months there, it was really quiet. And I thought, oh God, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, It was just like kind of out of nowhere. People started contacting me from Australia, Italy, France, Japan, Arizona, you know, just kind of thousands of miles away. And I had to trust the work. And what was so astonishing is that it's just as powerful as it is in person. And why is that? Is it me? Oh, sure. No, but I'm not going to take the credit. It's the primordial universe that is a fact of reality, that it exists. And we just need to step in 
and work with it. Work with the reality that we are all connected and our thoughts travel, our intentions travel. Distance prayer is real. It works. Okay. works because if you believe in quantum physics, then, you know, we're going to go into the unified field theory, which isn't so much a theory anymore. It's a fact (laughs) that we are all connected and energy does travel and it influences and there's uh, the whole or influences that individual if you're working one-on-one and there's plenty of scientific evidence out there. There's a great movie. I think it's called the one field. And you can watch that. I encourage people to watch. I think it's called The One Field. And they do studies on, on this where they do uh, they meditate and they measure the, the energy of the planet. They measure all kinds of things, how music at a distance will heal, all kinds of healing phenomenon. So the point is, yes, the more we can all raise our frequency the better this world will be and we will ascend and we are ascending, but it it will happen um, in ways that are going to seem like the heaven on earth is just in your face all the time, 24 seven. You know, my spiritual teacher, John Roger, he says another thing I just have to quote that I love. I use it so much with myself if I'm having a bad day and I just go, Oh gosh, you know, and I just have to reset and, get established in my knowing, in my light, in my, in my sovereignty, right? And he says, the darkness, the dark forces, they're always present. This place called earth has its own lessons and its own energies. And we have contrast here and we learn from it. Like I said, they're all opportunities, but the darkness, he says, is working 24 seven, but the light is working 28, 10. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm. So it's like the light is working overtime. So it's like, it's one thing to be the light, but it's another thing to be the light and work with the light that is present. To acknowledge that the light is present, even in the midst of all this horror and this drama and this contrast and these cataclysms and these earthquakes and these quote unquote deaths, real or imaginary propaganda or truth. None of it really matters on the level of spirit because we are spiritual beings having human experience here to learn and grow and give and celebrate. I always ask myself too, like, how can I grow today? How can I give and what can I celebrate? You know, I'm priming my consciousness. I'm priming my thinking brain because it's solution oriented, but I'm priming my consciousness to get on that higher flying frequency because I want to celebrate my life. I want my life to be a celebration. So it's like, well, the greatest way to elevate yourself from negativity is to be of service. And when I was in getting my first master's in spiritual psychology, I long way. And I remember, this was like back in 2012, I remember my teachers were saying, saying, talking about service and power of service. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, service. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And now I like really get it, Carrie. Because when I went to school, I thought, you know, egoically, uh, my intention was, oh, this will be on, the, on sort of the goal line rather than the soul line. I thought, oh, this will be the nice, this will be a nice, good step for me to learn more so I can serve other people but I can gain more knowledge so I can write books and I can do programs. And it's like, no, 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 no. 
That may be true, but none of that matters. None of that matters. I went there to heal myself. And then in the second year, you use that healing out there in the world. So it's really about how can we heal ourselves right now, all of our hearts? What is the opportunity for healing? What is the opportunity for healing individually? And what is the opportunity from the individual healing when you are really anchored in your loving and working with the light, not just being the light, but working with it? How is that going to change the world? And then it's just going to be a daily celebration of possibility. And it sounds perhaps a little Machiavellian, but I'm telling you, I'm living it. The miracles are present. The miracles are present every single day. Yes, absolutely. I want to thank you so much for for being on the show today, Diane, and sharing all of that. That was such a beautiful channeling you just did. It was like, yeah, speaking (laughs) from the beyonds right here and right now. Thank you so much for that. I know that uh, people can check you out on your um, what, on your podcast, is Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. And also your website is alchemyofmastery.com. Is there anything else you want to share as we head out? Because I know we're up against your time. Well, that's it. They can check out my what I do and learn more about my work at alchemyofmastery.com if they want to listen to the conversations I have with all kinds of incredible wayfarers like yourself and scientists and experts and authors and stories of all kinds of uh, walks of life around the spiritual phenomena. Go to spiritualgeekout.com like it sounds and uh We're going to have fun geeking out and learning a lot. And it's really my ministry work. It's really about spreading the light so that you have more and more um, ammunition to move forward in your life with that anchoring and your knowing. So that's awesome. Well, so you guys heard it. So please, you know, take a moment, go subscribe to Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. Subscribe to Soul Nectar Show if you haven't yet done that. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, a share for this episode. If you want to share it out, please do. Be that courageous heart and share this information out in the world. Take a chance on your heart if it's calling you to to take an action like that. Do it. See what happens. And we're going to give kisses now. So here come the kisses, everybody. Do you want to join? Yes. A billion trillion kisses. (laughs) Thank you. Kisses for everyone. Thank you, Diane. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time on Soul Nature Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are